we need to talk about a refrigerator. I think everybody needs to hear the story of the current state of our life. You think? Yes, but I could get mad over this very easily. So could I, but my anger is going to be at you. It wasn't my fault. <laughs> okay, who are you going to get mad at? The process of it. Okay. Okay, it's so not, let's back it's up. Not, we have a ice maker line at the refrigerator like probably most people have. It broke. Not the actual water line, but something inside the refrigerator that it's a, like a filter, water filter thing underneath it. I don't even know if it broke. It. it just started leaking. Yeah, and it's old. I mean, we probably it's a 20, 15-year-old refrigerator probably. I don't think it's that old. It anyway. Was, it's old. Okay. It's old. But in anyway, it has an ice maker line and things, and the, it broke. And it had been broke for some amount of time, apparently. And because Jackie noticed we have hardwood floors throughout our first floor. And right behind the refrigerator, you go into this pantry. It's a big pantry. It's a nice pantry. But it, the floor started to buckle a little bit. She's like, what? What is this? Have you noticed this? It drastically within one morning. Yeah. Start And you... Yeah. Kept telling me that I well, was like, yeah, I, I noticed it. You were like, it's not yeah. a big deal. And I was like, it literally has started this morning yeah. and is growing. Well, and it got, I mean, by the time we, this morning, that morning, and then we came home and it got noticeably worse. And I was still telling you yeah. that it is a real problem and yeah. you still wanted to pretend like it wasn't and a I real sh- problem. I shut the water line off to the back of the refrigerator and thinking, oh, it's leaking there and I even cut a hole in the back of the wall thinking hey I mean nobody's ever going to see it so cut the hole knew the water line to so, the refrigerator wasn't the problem it was we inside their refrigerator. We had a plumber come. Plumber come. Yeah. And they needed some water restoration person to come? Yeah. Right? Yeah. The, now we're getting to the fun part. So they were coming and they were going to like I don't know do something and I asked you I said do we need to take stuff out of the pantry? Gosh. And your response was, no, no, they're going to be done by the end of the day. I come home at 5.30 or 6, and literally our whole entire kitchen is tented up. Is that what you would call it? Like, yeah, clear plastic from the floor to the ceiling of plastic. The refrigerator's in the middle of the yeah. kitchen. Yeah. We can't get into our pantry. Yeah. The humidifiers were... So yeah. loud. Had like five, no, like two or three humidifiers and then five or six of these big blowers inside this tent. I mean, it's like E.T. I mean, yes, yes, and the thing is just plastic up. And I mean, I, I, I'm I, looking at the guy like, are we safe to to stay it here? Because it, 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 it really was, wasn't bad. But this company... Goes to the extreme, and Which I guess is good. Like I, I guess we yes. won't have mold issues. That's right. They're that, doing their they job. They make sure that they get everything just right, and of course, upstairs led downstairs to the bedroom. Small little, small. <laughs> I mean, pinhole size. I mean, they was leaking through the to the bedroom, and we had carpet down there. Just a small little thing, and all of a sudden. I come down there. Well, <laughs> after they, our, I was on the phone with you, and you're like, uh, "They're carrying our basement carpet out." Yeah, and I'm like, here, here goes what our all, they tear all the bedroom carpet. They take our, the entire ceiling of the room. I'm like, really for a pinhole size leak that was happening? So, so, but I had asked you, are are is it going to be a one day thing? And you're like, oh yeah, we'll be able to access oh, it by then. So I come home, and I mean it. There's plastic and noise, and I am like on the verge of losing it. 
and I had stopped by to pick up dinner on the way. I'm not going to say where I picked it up from, but I go to sit down. I'm handing everybody out their dinner and mine's not in there. And I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm going to lose it here. I don't remember so, that part. Uh, it's yeah. So it was extreme. And so now like they have to redo yeah, our hardwood floors yeah. And they were supposed to do it the end of February. Well, of course, now it's the middle of March and uh, all this stuff. I mean, it's going through the insurance, but all this stuff for the, the, the carpet, well, not the carpet, but the, the, all the floors and things cost more than our first house. Yes. It's ridiculous. So anyway, I don't know what the moral of the story is. Maybe check your refrigerator line. I don't know. But you know, if, if we seem a little bit more of a hot mess, like, you know, I think that's part of it. I will say it was funny. <clears throat> Did those stay in our house for like a week and a half? I mean, it was so oh, loud, yeah. you guys. Yeah. Well, they came and in every day to check the readings on the moisture or the mold or whatever in the, in the woods. So, so we it was finally insane. get them out of our, get all this stuff out of our house. And we still have our floors ripped up. Yeah. The walls are ripped yeah. up. But at Hudson, we had went out, we had went, we were somewhere that night and he was like, oh, I can't believe when I walked in, it was just so peaceful in there. And I was like, okay, even a nine-year-old yeah. realized how peaceful it was. <laughs> but it's still a mess. It's and still it's a mess, It's not going to yes. get fixed for another month, probably. And yes. it's, just, it's just... But at least oh, it's getting yeah. fixed. Every Like, it's all fixable. Yeah, I know a lot true. of people go through that's much right. worse. That's right. Um, that's right. But, we got insurance. That's what it's for. Yep, absolutely. Yep. But that is the current state of our kitchen. But mm. on a good note, when we're done, our hardwood floors should look that's true. very we're nice. Brand new floors. Yeah, yes. Absolutely. Yeah. So anyway, that's our kitchen story. Welcome to the Be Kind to Everyone podcast. This is Ben. And I'm Jackie. Last week on our show, our producer, Jessica, who works all the magic behind the scenes, was on. And she had lots of questions for us about our journey as parents of a child with autism. She has a four-year-old son who also has autism. And in the editing part of our podcast, she'll often say, hey, here's something I'm going through. I would love for you all to do an episode on, of this on the future. So we were like, hey, why don't you jump on? Ask us all your questions. And we got talking last week and I think it was really good. Do you think it was really good? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, yeah. So yeah. if you didn't listen, you need to go back. So anyway, we thought it was going so well. We kept on going. And Jessica is back this morning with mm-hmm. round two. So if you didn't listen last week, you can go ahead and listen today. But then go back because I think you'll really enjoy it. Um, she gets the whole podcasting part. She's yeah. the professional. She right. makes us sure. sound good. Sure. And then she also gets the autism part. Yeah. And so I think wherever you're out on the journey, or if you're someone that doesn't really know a lot about autism, I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah. So, so Jessica, thanks for, for joining it. us again. Yeah. All right. So I want to go into some self-care questions because I think in my late night emails to you guys, these are probably the questions. That's funny. Handling a sick child when they can't communicate, how do you guys kind of work with, how did you guys in the early days, especially when she wasn't talking much, how did you work with her when you knew she was sick and get her to take her medicine that maybe she didn't want to take? Like what, what did you guys do? And like, how did you talk to the doctor and be like, I think she's sick. She's got a fever. Something hurts. Might be her tummy. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And that is tough. That's a real one. And mm-hmm. 
we didn't find doctors to always be the most helpful. And like, we would say she's hurting and they might be like, well, that's just autism. And I'm like, okay, but it's not normal for a child to be hurting like this. I don't care what the diagnosis is. She's in pain. And so I, I was very, it was tough vocal about it, um, of like, nope, we're going to keep pushing. We're going to, we're going to find it out. I have talked on a previous podcast before about journaling and I was big into journaling and I would write down in a day everything about her. So I could start putting pieces together. So I, at least when I would win it, go into a doctor, I had all these different all this information what she would, to what give she them. What she would eat, what she would do, do, what her reaction to what she ate would be. Word approximations in a day. I literally, and I, I made a form so that way I was recording the same things each day. But Jordan went through a lot of ear infections right before we had got the diagnosis. And um, she couldn't tell us what was hurting. But I would just really advocate, like when she was sick, okay. If she was in here and she did not have a diagnosis with autism, what would you do? You would look in her ears. You would do this. You would do that. Let's start there and let's see what we can find there. And then if I still didn't get anywhere, that's when I I would go to my handy dandy notebook and be like, okay, well, she's crying more on this day. And I would try to put as many pieces to the puzzle Mm -hmm. together as I possibly could. Um, But it's... It is hard. And that is one thing to this day that is still hard. Even though Jordan has words, she struggles. She could start crying at the shirt shop and we would say, what's wrong? And she would say, my head's hurting. We know her head really isn't hurting. That is her go-to response. So you're really trying to guess for lack of a better word. And as, as your child gets older, you get better at guessing, but there's still days we'll be stumped. Absolutely. As to what mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. truly wrong with her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you try to get the best pediatricians and then the best doctors as you can that really have that bedside manner and caring to them. Mm-hmm. And that's and take, taking vitamins. You mentioned medicines and whatnot. She's always been very good about that. You used to put um, pills or whatnot in um, baby food. Yep. She so learned she to swallow pills, pills at a very yeah. young so age. She would, baby wow. food would get it early in her years. Yes. Now she'll, she could take a horse pill. I know. I feel like I could give her an, I think I could give her an orange. You know? She's great now, but <laughs> early, in early, early years, it was, um, baby and food. you know, I think sometimes people think I used to, in fact, that someone had to have a lot of experience with autism, like a a professional. And I have found that's not necessarily the case. Like her dentist we go to now, oh gosh, finding a dentist was so hard. And we went through the different dentists that really specialize, quote, in special needs. And we were not finding it helpful because they automatically had their protocol they wanted to use. And like they automatically wanted to sedate and do this and this. Well, she was improving and I felt like she didn't need that anymore, but they just assumed because of her diagnosis and this is the way we do it, that that's what was needed. And so now we take her to our family dentist, our whole family goes to the same one. They're amazing with her and they don't have special training. They just have a heart and they wanted to help. And she does amazing. They gave her a chance. So 
it's kind of the same thing I said earlier, that gut reaction of you just know when someone gets your kid and you're like, okay, I, I want to, I want to work with you because you understand and you're empathetic. And that's the kind of professionals we've tried to surround Jordan with. You mentioned the, the dentist. Yes. Uh, toothbrushing. What was your trick to getting her to brush her teeth? So I would say until four years ago or so, I was pretty sure she was going to have every tooth rot out of her head and have no teeth by the time oh, she was 25. That bad, was it? it? It felt like every time we were going to the dentist, multiple cavities. It was so hard. And the dentist we were going to always wanted to sedate. It was just every mm -hmm. time I left there in tears. Yeah. And I have a very good friend who she is a dental hygienist and her husband is a dentist. They live in North Dakota, so they weren't really helpful in the actual seeing of Jordan. But I remember calling her after an appointment and I was like, I don't know what to do. Her teeth just keep getting worse. And she gave me some just suggestions, one of which was find a new dentist. Um, two, we started using a Sonicare toothbrush, and that was a game changer for Jordan. And it has different speeds, so we had to work up to it. But that and then shifting to three appointments a year instead of two, even though we have to pay for it, those things literally made all the difference to Jordan. Because you think about it, naturally, if we have something stuck in our tooth, we are like working our mouth over trying to get that out. Well, she is already weak in those muscle movements and she's not. So that food is just sitting there like, and she's not getting it out. Mm -hmm. So the more we could do to clean it and like just a regular toothbrush, she's not using enough force. And it, what I wasn't able to use enough force where that Sonicare, it just really cleans her teeth out well. So I am a huge yeah, advocate of that. And I'm not, I don't know about other electric toothbrushes. There's lots of them out there. That's the yeah, one we've used and similar, loved. Yeah. And it has been a true game changer for Jordan and her teeth. The number one question probably with young kids with autism, potty training. What did you guys do? I know it's going to be a little different. Yep. But I think, you know, sharing what you guys did might give other parents an idea of what to do with their kid. Yes. Yeah, so with us, I first started basically like, okay, you're not going to drink anything. Like I'm going to dehydrate the poor kid because I didn't want to have accidents with her. But then, and we were getting nowhere, like nowhere because I was still making her go to the bathroom, but she never had to go. It was just, and it wasn't like we did that for long, but you quickly could learn after a day. You're like, this method is not going to work. And so I would say she was probably three and a half when we potty trained her. But I found, I literally blocked off our calendar. We weren't going anywhere. We weren't doing anything. And I loaded her up on drinks, a lot of drinks, like yeah. whatever she wanted to drink, she could have. So she was like, oh, this is great. Um, because I wanted to take her frequently. I needed to get her a lot of practice because in everything she did, she needed repetition yeah. to get that learning pattern. And so... The more she had to drink, the more often she needed to go to the bathroom. And then the more often she had success. So we would go like every 15 minutes. I would not make her sit in there until she went because I didn't want to torture her. But if she went, we had something highly reinforcing. And so the making the having her load up on drinks 
gave her a lot more practice for success. And then, so she did actually potty train once we switched over to that pretty easily, but we never switched back and forth. We decided this is the way it was going to be. And we then, even when we were out and about, she was trip trained. And what I mean by that, she wasn't going to tell us she had to go to the bathroom. I had to remember to take her. So if you're out and about or you're at a friend's house or even at your own house, you had to say, hey, let's go to the bathroom. She then did get to where if she was at home, she would go on her own. But that took quite a while. She'd sign language it. That was not until she was probably about five. Okay. So she remained trip trained for about a year, a year and a half. And then at five was when she really started picking up some simple sign language. And we were able to start pairing the sign approximation for potty to where then she could start saying that along with it. But um, that was one of the things, the consistency, the high reward, and a lot of practice by really fueling her up was what helped us a lot. Now let's, uh, I want to switch a bit from their self-care to yep. yours. Okay. Um, I know a lot of parents get overwhelmed with neurotypical childs mm-hmm. and it seems to be sometimes overwhelming, um, especially at a young age with kids with autism. And I know from this small people I've had interactions with, they're not taking care of themselves. The parents aren't as much as they should be. Um, And, you know, unfortunately that only ends up to being the detriment to the child because then the child suffer, you know, not suffers, but you know, right. Yeah. Out as everybody else. So what are some things throughout the years that you guys have done to kind of practice self care? I can tell you, I don't think this is the answer you're looking for, but when Jordan was very young, I didn't do anything. Like I was 24 seven autism therapy, all of it. It, that didn't shift until she was probably first grade and she, we start sending her to school Mm -hmm. and we had moved to Atlanta and tennis is really popular here. I didn't even really know until we moved to Atlanta that tennis was a sport. In fact, we were looking at houses and every neighborhood we went by had tennis courts. And I asked Ben, I was like, why is there so many tennis courts? And he was in real estate, architectural development, that kind of thing. And he was like, oh, it's just a nice amenity they put out to make neighborhoods look good. And I'm like, but there's always people on the courts playing. Well, then we found out tennis is huge in Atlanta. And so we, one day in our new neighborhood, someone had said they were forming a new tennis team for beginners. And would I like to play? And I was like, I've never even held a racket. And so I decided to. And my personality is very all or nothing. Competitive. And so I started playing tennis and it became a full-time job when Jordan was at school. <laughs> like I, every day when Jordan was at school, I was playing tennis. I loved it. But, um, it was like, I was on the court and for an hour in that match, I wasn't, I wasn't an autism mom. I wasn't, I was just me. And I, and it was very good for me. I went, after a while, it's like, okay, I, I, I think I need to go do something. I'm, I, and so I decided to go back to work, but, um, but I, and then I stopped playing tennis. I am a very all or nothing, but it was the shift I needed to 
get out of my own world and to get to meet other people. And that when I started to get to know other people, other people started to get to know Jordan. And I realized I didn't have to stay within my own bubble. I didn't have to stay only within other families that had a child with autism. Once people got to know our family, they liked us, whether, whether we were different or not, they accepted us. And tennis really shifted that for me. That was the eye opener that I needed to get out and really do something. Yeah. Mine was just work. Mine was going to work. But he tried and he traveled traveled a lot. lot, So like he had four or five nights in a hotel where, you know, whereas um, I, I didn't necessarily have any of that. But then you started playing tennis as well. A little bit. But yeah, my therapy is mostly just work. I mean, yeah. Um, To this day now, a lot of it still revolves around kids, but we love going to Hudson's games. And thankfully, Jordan loves that. So it helps balance our life well. But something else, like I say this often, like my hair can be a mess. My house can be a disaster. But if you see my nails not looking good, it has been a very rough week for the Moore household. (laughs) That is what I need. I need that every three weeks going and get my nails done. It's just my time to sit there. I feel better about myself. It's funny. I think we all have like our little thing. Every other part of my life can be in shambles. I'm like, oh, it'll be fine, but not my nails. So that is my thing to this day that is just my me time is getting my nails done. Yeah. Yeah. But so I think it's good. Yeah. I think it's just whatever works for everybody's going to be different. Each person. I think you got to do something though. Cause I think you could get so tied up into the autism world that you you just, you, you, you keep everybody, you Heisman, everybody out and you just, you can't, I think it'll just drive you crazy. Yeah. One of the things I think that's been the best thing that's happened to us now is our world is so intertwined with the real world. And I, that probably sounds odd to people now, now, Yeah, but it's when you, when you have a child with a disability, you, it, it's so hard sometimes to get out into that real world. It is scary. People are judgmental and you just start backing more and more into your house. And so now, especially with Hudson, you you just automatically go out you do things and and that that is one thing i wish people could learn faster than we did we were slow to that but that has been very healing and therapeutic for us do you ever find yourself i know i do this all the time and every time i do it i want to stop myself <laughs> over especially when jordan was younger over explaining your child to random strangers oh, like if you're at, oh <laughs> sure. if you're target like the checkout ladies trying to talk to your kid you're like oh but he has autism and he can't speak and i'm sorry and what am i doing absolutely and i would be lying if i say i still don't do that sometimes it still happens um all the time i remember moving into our house and it was three years ago and my brand new next door neighbor literally the trucks are in the driveway she came over and introduced herself herself to us and sweetest person and so she said you know do you have kids 
And literally, like, you don't want it to get awkward. So I was like, I do. We have, um, uh, I think she was 18, 19 at the time. We have a 19-year-old. She has autism. And (laughs) our neighbor was probably like, okay, I didn't. But I just didn't want it to get awkward. And so what we ended up finding out in that conversation was, her brother-in-law was going to be Jordan's new teacher at the school, but it was funny. I automatically, I just want to throw that out there. So like, it doesn't get awkward, but yeah, I think there's a lot of people who are like, I don't care. You know, you don't, yeah. you don't need to explain that to me, but I think we, we, we automatically all do automatically uh, do yeah, that. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. It's such a weird trigger. Like um, it immediately is. the yes. poor checkout lady at Trader Joe's all <laughs> yeah. feel about 20 times. Um, before we wrap up, I just want to know, and I know we've talked about a bunch of different of advice, but what is the number one piece of advice you would give to a parent that has just got that diagnosis, whether it's at age two, age 10, or maybe to an adult that uh, just got diagnosed. I know there's people in their thirties, forties, fifties that are now getting diagnosed at a much later age because of the way that diagnosis Mm -hmm. criteria have changed, what would you say to somebody that just got that diagnosis? Never give up. I have went through some really low moments over the course of the last 22 years. Jordan has went through some really low moments. And you wonder how in the world you're going to get out of bed the next day and do it all over again because your heart hurts, everything. Watching your child in pain or suffer or not frustrated, like they're really... You feel hopeless. You feel... What can I do? Yes. Um, And I hope our story changes that for some people because we just like we were pouring everything we could into her. And in, in many years she was getting worse instead of better. And, you know, when she was six and worse really than she was when she was two, it, it was hard. Well, we poured, poured into her, but I think we still do to some degree. I mean, it's a different, different, and we poured into the business now. But my point is, yeah, like we, you wanted to kind of give up. Yeah. But I kept looking at it and we did. And you're like, we can't living like this. Isn't the option. Like she's in pain. Mm -hmm. She's in this, she's in that. And so when one idea didn't work, you just start on a new one and you keep starting on a new idea until you find the idea that helps your child. Um, but you always got to look for those ideas. You always got to keep trying new things because it's, I don't think there's going to be a one thing solves a problem. Whatever. Whatever. I think it was, we've had the question a lot of times. Well, what, what has done the best for Jordan? Well, I don't know. I mean, we've done so many different things. It's consistency of, of doing all those things. Maybe a little bit of all of them have helped. And I think that is true. And, and certain ages helps at certain ages when she was two I mean, it's going to be way different than when she was eight or even 18. I think also realizing that she knew so much more than we thought she knew. Um, when you have a child with limited or no words, you, 
you might think they don't know very much because they can't tell you. And I am here to say that I think most all of our kids know so much more than what they're able to say. And so when we started acknowledging that in Jordan and talking to her and giving her the benefit of the doubt of her understanding that changed her world. You Mm -hmm. could just start to see her come alive. And because it was like, finally she was being realized that she was very capable. So I think to judge people on their language ability is a very dangerous thing to do because I just think they know so much more. And so I feel like through all of those things, you know, we just decided as parents, we wanted to help her be the best she could be. And whatever that is, that's okay. Um, healthy, happy, the best Jordan she could be. And when you really look at it, it's the same goals we want for Hudson. We want to help Hudson become the best Hudson he can be. And I think as a parent of a special needs child, we sometimes lose sight of that. We get so focused on the therapies that we forget really what our goal is, is to help them be the best they can be. And so, you know, don't give up hope. Keep searching for those stories that that feed you with hope because at the end of the day, hope gets us all out of bed in the morning. Whether you have a child with a disability or whether you have a job you don't love, it doesn't matter. Hope gets us out of the bed each day. And I think it's a beautiful thing. And I am glad that our story is able to provide that to others. This has been so much fun, you guys. Um, Thank you for joining us. Oh, anytime. Um, We can do it again. I will probably have another list of 20 questions. You just keep Keep those. You keep that notebook there. (laughs) Start putting notes on my phone every time I have a question for you guys. (laughs) Because like I said, if you have these questions, there are a lot of other people out there wondering the same thing. All right. Well, thank you so much, Jessica, for joining us. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you're not familiar with our story, make sure to follow us on social media at Summer Shirt Project. If you don't want to have one of our shirts, we think you should. Be kind to everyone, and you can find it at BeKindToEveryone.com. Thanks a lot. See you, guys. Thank you so much for listening to the Be Kind to Everyone podcast. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you spending it with us. Word of mouth is the number one way people learn about new podcasts, so we need your help for people to find us. Please, please, please tell everyone you know about our show. To learn more about our story and see our shirts, go to BeKindToEveryone.com. Thanks for listening. Have a good day, you guys.